Yo, yo, yo! Welcome to Ripping Community Church! My name's Danny. And I'm Natasha. And we are so glad you're here today. Yeah, we are. We've got some great announcements for you. We can't wait. What are the announcements again? I actually have no idea. <laughs> okay, okay. You know what? Let me check what the announcements. Oh yeah, okay, I remember what the announcements are. First of all, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but the podcast is back for season two, and it's awesome. There's gonna be some new segments. You gotta see it. I was actually in there for the filming of it. Took some behind the scenes uh, video. If you haven't checked that out, check that out. You can see that on our Facebook page, or our Instagram page. Make sure you are, are following us on there. And then make sure you, you click the subscribe button for either following us here or seeing the podcast. It's, it's all there for you Or see. you know, like, ding the bell. Ding the bell. Ding the bell. Podcast? Smash the subscribe button. <laughs> I'm behind the camera every single time. Okay. Right. <laughs> hey, everybody, again. You can stop laughing now. We know we don't do very good impressions of Danny and Natasha, but... But we just had to because they couldn't do it this week and we just didn't want you to go another week without having them doing announcements because honestly, they're the best at doing this stuff and, and we're so glad we're here. Thanks for letting us tease you a little bit with that, Danny and Natasha. But we have a couple of things for you, a couple actual announcements. Uh, first and foremost, uh, we've opened up children's ministry to our, our bigger space. It's so great. The kids have been having so much fun. If you haven't made it out for that to a, a service in person with your kids, make sure you do. They are just loving it, learning so much about Jesus, and it's been so great. Yeah, and if you're new here or listening for the first or third time, go online, fill out a red card, rccsunday.com. This is your way to get connected here and with us as a staff. If you have a prayer request or you want to sign up to get Mike's weekly email notes, this is a place to do it, rccsunday.com. Absolutely. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this sermon coming up right now. Now to bring us to the two-minute warning. Hey there, welcome back to RCC at Home. My name is Mike and I'm one of the pastors here at RCC. And we've been in this series that we're calling Two Minute Warning. And what this series has been all about is, is really good teaching from Jesus that just in case we're close to the end times, in case we're close to the end of something, end of our life, whatever it may be, there are certain things we need to know straight from Jesus to be prepared for that. So that's what we're talking about, getting ready for that. And it's been a great series so far. We even have here at church... We're calling it our two-minute warning playbook. It's a, it's a devotional. It's a study guide. And if you'd like this, all you got to do is stop by the church building any time during the week. You can pick one up in the office. We've got one here for you. And it's great. It's, it's what we're using in our group studies all throughout the city over this study period, over this, over this series. We're using it in the groups. But you can also use it personally on your own. So if you'd like one, just stop by and come and get one anytime you would like. Today... We're going to explore one of Jesus' hardest-to-follow directions. And, and two weeks ago when I was teaching, I said hardcore directions. And actually, I learned that was a mistake. See, we have these staff meetings every week, and we just have a super close staff. We're able to talk about everything and suggest things to each other and challenge each other. It's very, very healthy. Anyway, in the meeting a couple weeks ago after that service, Pastor Danny said, Mike, you know, I don't think that was a good thing to say. And good for him for being bold enough to challenge. That's awesome. We respect each other. And he said, I don't think it was that good. And I said, okay, Danny, with your job on the line, tell me why I said such a poor thing in the, in the sermon. 
and he was awesome. He said, you know what? When you say that, it implies that our teaching is not always hardcore. And he's right, because that's like saying, if you're talking to someone, say, well, I'm being honest with you, that implies that sometimes you're not, right? So to say our teaching is hardcore implies sometimes it's not, when actually here at RCC, we are always straight, hardcore Bible teaching. So instead, I wish I would have maybe said something like, they're hard to follow directions, or, or maybe it was a tough pill to swallow, or, or, or tough teaching for us to handle, because it's hard to live by, right? That would have been a better description two weeks ago, but that is the description today, because today's two-minute warning from Jesus is no different. It's about how we're supposed to treat a specific group of people, and I want to warn you, this teaching is probably too tough for a casual Christian. You see, uh, Bible lessons, you could compare them to, to peanut butter sometimes. Like, there's, there's Bible lessons or sermons here at church that are sort of creamy peanut butter. It, it's like, God is powerful or God forgives. Those are super easy to consume teachings from the Bible. They're so good, right? It's wonderful to, reminded that, to be reminded that God's powerful. It's wonderful to, remind, to be reminded that God forgives us when we mess up. So that's super easy to consume. It's wonderful. You want to hear it every Sunday. Then sometimes at church there's chunky teaching, right? Where we're talking about don't just admire Jesus, follow him. It's more chunky because knowing it and doing it are different things. It's a bit tougher to do, a bit different to live by. And then there's some extra chunky teaching at church, right? When we talk about like forgiving other people. Whoa, that's not easy. That's tough teaching from Jesus. It's, it's easy to listen to, not easy to do though. And then there's the extreme chunky, the most chunky, like love your enemy, right? Because that just sounds kind of nuts. It just sounds nuts, right? Jesus, we're supposed to love our enemies? What? That's nuts. But that's what we have today. So I'm going to warn you, in Luke 6, Jesus says something that's very hard to hear. And Jesus is telling us not just to hear it, but to actually do it. It might sound crazy. It might sound nuts. But Jesus says it. It's very challenging. He says we are to love our enemies. So let's look at this statement now from Jesus a bit more closely. It's in the book of Luke. It's in chapter 6, verses 27 to 29. It starts out, But if you're willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for the happiness of those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, Turn the other cheek. Tough stuff, right? You've maybe heard some of this before. It's tough. But then if we skip a few verses, it continues. Do you think you deserve credit for merely loving those who love you? Even the sinners do that. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, is that so wonderful, says Jesus? Even sinners do that much. Now, there are two ways to read or hear a set of verses like that. You can sort of hear it, sort of hear them, but not really listen. Like you can kind of just brush over it, right? Like it's kind of nuts, it's too hard. And you can even range from like totally ignoring it to, to daydreaming through it or, or maybe even like politely listening but not really letting it soak in, even to maybe momentarily hearing, but then forgetting once you get home. A real relationship with Jesus takes some effort. All good relationships do, right? And, and sometimes it's just easier to kind of brush Jesus off. 
sometimes like dating relationships. Like, I don't know, if, if you're listening, if you can remember, if you're old enough to remember phones that had cords. Like in the old days, phones had cords. I don't know, it was like 10 years ago or 30, I'm so old, I don't even know anymore, time flies. But there used to be phones with cords. And it was so much work to be in a dating relationship back then because it was tough even to talk to them on the phone. You had, you had these cords, right? And I don't know if you ever did it, but sometimes you get the real long ones and they get all balled up and you have to hold them up and they'd spin and spin and spin to kind of unball so that you could get away further from the phone itself. Um, in, in, in my life, um, the phone was in the kitchen. And my mom would be in there like baking a potato in her new microwave she was so excited about. And, and like I'd try to talk on the phone to some girl and like you couldn't get far enough away. You'd have to stretch the cord all the way into the corner and sort of whisper, be like, oh no, you're cute too. Hoping your parents didn't hear. And, and maybe in the best moments, like they had a phone in their bedroom. Sometimes I was able to use the phone in their bedroom. And it was always the same. I'd be, on, I'd be sitting on their bed and talking on the phone and invariably someone in the kitchen would pick up the phone and I'd have to holler, get off the phone, I'm on it, right? That, maybe that happened to you. And then, and then you'd be back to the whispering like, no, you're sweet, right? Like it, it was so hard. And then like there's a rotary dial. It took forever on the rotary dial. Now, I was kind of lucky. My number growing up was uh, 4664527. All the numbers were kind of in the middle. Easy for people to dial. I was dating this one girl. She had a zero and an eight in her number. I had to break up with her. It was too big of a commitment between not being able to talk and all this time dialing. It was a big commitment. You can brush Jesus off here today too because it's a commitment to follow him. I'm sure lots of people in the crowd when he was teaching back then, they brushed him off when he first taught this. You see, not everyone chooses to listen to Jesus or follow Jesus. And God does allow us to choose. So you could choose today to daydream or, or you could choose to listen. But if you're willing to listen, then this is about to get real challenging. First of all, these, these words, the study that we're in, these are red letters in the Bible. Lots of Bibles use red letters for Jesus' words. It just shows you that he's the one speaking. So to me, anything in red letters ramps up their importance because Jesus is saying it. And he begins by saying the very same words that I just used. That's why I used them. In Luke 6, 27, he says, but if you're willing to listen. So for you today, maybe, maybe it's not today, but it will be eventually. The day comes for all of us that we want to listen to Jesus. It's okay if today's not your day. You still fit here. Everyone fits here. Sometimes, some days, we just need kind of creamy peanut butter teaching. But if you're up for chunky teaching today, if you are willing to listen today, here's what Jesus says next. In 627, he says, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Is there a television character or maybe a movie character that you sort of really love to hate? Now, we've, we've had a church now for 19 years. I think every year for 19 years, I've used at least one Rocky reference, the movie Rocky. Um, it's my favorite movie ever, so I, I feel like I have to bring it up every year. So. In Rocky IV, which, it's not good. Rocky IV is not a good Rocky movie. But there's this character in Rocky IV. His name is Ivan Drago. And he's this guy that Rocky fights. And he says something in that movie that is like one of my favorite movie lines ever. I'm going to show it to you now. It's a true case of David and Goliath here. It's unbelievable, the, the, the condition of those men, but the I must break you. He said, I must break you. 
right? I love to hate that guy. I wanted Rocky to pound him. And actually, his wife in the movie, she was even worse. I really hated her. They were great characters. How about you? In, in some TV show or in some movie, do you, have, do you have someone that you're really happy that's in the movie or the show, but you kind of just love to hate them, right? You don't like them at all, but you're happy they're there. In movies and on TV, we have those sorts of characters. We love to hate them. And that can all be good fun, right? It's part of the fun of the movie or, or the TV show. But in real life, Jesus is saying that our enemies, the people that we hate, we should not enjoy that at all. Instead, quite the opposite. We should love them. That's no fun. That's no fun, and it's hard to do. It wasn't fun or easy for the people Jesus was talking to back then, either. The setting in this Bible text, the setting what was happening at the time, Jesus is speaking to his own people, the Jews. And at this time, Israel was being occupied by the Romans. The Romans mercilessly harassed the Jews and would kill anyone who opposed them. Most Jews hated the Romans. So, if you were a Jew in Jesus' day and you were listening to his teaching in that moment, how would you react to this statement? Would you just hear him or would you actually listen to him? Would you still want to be his follower or would you brush him off? Maybe it would be too hard, too nuts, too crazy, right? When Jesus tells us that we need to love our enemies, he's not playing around. And get this, get this. He doesn't say that if we have enemies, we are to love them. He just assumes that we all do have some enemies. Now, maybe these days, calling someone an enemy is, is just maybe kind of too strong, right? Like, I don't know if you really have enemies. So instead, how about if I asked you to think of someone in your life that know, frustrates you or, or someone that hurts you or someone that embarrassed you or someone that gossips about you? Or maybe, how about this, maybe someone that makes your life more difficult? Do you have someone maybe that you wish you didn't have to deal with? So how about instead of calling someone an enemy, instead... You think of someone you just don't like. Or you think of someone that you really don't get along with. Or, or maybe someone that you try to avoid. Can you think of someone now? Do you have someone that comes to mind when I say those things? Jesus says, you're supposed to love them. For me, honestly, I'd rather just change them. Right? I'd rather just get them to stop saying mean things or gossiping about me or, or start being honest with me. I'd rather just change them. But the truth is, if we're really going to love our enemies, we, you and I, are going to be the one to change. Because we're not able to change who they are. One way that you can be changed and begin to love your enemy is by praying for them. Here's what Jesus says next. He says, Pray for the happiness of those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. Have you ever done that? Have you, have you ever prayed for someone that you don't like or that uh, just hurt you or made you angry? It's very tough to do. There, there's an example of this in my life that has happened many, many times over the years as I've tried to kind of grow up in my faith maturity. Now, th this may seem shocking to you, but somehow I seem to make people angry on the road sometimes. I'll just be driving down the road, and I, I think I'm a good driver. But I have these people giving me rude gestures sometimes. Like, I'm going a mile an hour too slow for them, and they kind of rock it by, and they, like, flash me a little gesture through the window. Or maybe I, I pass someone in the left lane, and, and I didn't get back over quick enough into the right lane, and the person had to wait a second, and then they go blowing by me. And as they go by, they look out their side window and, and flash me a little gesture, right? Uh, for a lot of my life, all I want to do is punch them in the head. 
to be honest. Sometimes I still kind of wish I could. I, I haven't. I haven't done that in many, many years. But, but that's how I was raised. I was raised in the home of a boxer, and that's how you solve problems. Might makes right was sometimes said in my household back then. So I have those feelings that used to have them a lot now once in a while. Now I've gotten better. Like, you know what I'd like to do now sometimes? I know I probably shouldn't admit this, but I'm always just transparent. So, you know, whatever, think what you want. But what I'd like to have is a sign that says, you're an idiot. And then I'd put it in my window, right? So I know when they come rocketing by and they want to flash me their gesture, all they'd see is you're an idiot. They wouldn't even see me. Sometimes I fantasize about that. That might be nice, but I, but I don't do it and I won't do it. Instead, here's what usually happens for me. That happens on the road, there's a gesture, whatever, and the person goes on, does their thing, and I usually end up thinking like, wow, he must be a super sad guy. Or I just had like a week ago, I had a young woman, she's maybe like 20. I'm like, she must be so sad, so upset with life, so unhappy that someone going one mile an hour too slow for her could make her that angry. So what I usually do now when it happens, I just pray for the person. They must be living a miserable life if they can get that mad on the highway. So I just pray for them. So in a sense, I'm actually praying for my enemy in that moment. So how about you? Would you actually listen to Jesus and commit to doing that this week? Whoever came to mind when I asked those questions about who frustrates you or hurts you or whatever, would you pray for them this week? You can talk about maturing in your faith, or you can do it. And if you believe in Jesus, and if you believe Jesus told us to pray for our enemies, if you really believe, there's no option, right? You pray. But belief is key here, right? Belief is key. Donald, Mil Donald Miller, he's a good author. He writes in this book called Blue Like Jazz. He writes about this idea of belief. He says in the book that the trouble with deep, deep belief is that it costs something. And there is something inside of me, some selfish beast of a subtle thing that doesn't like the truth at all because it carries responsibility. And if I actually believe those things, I have to do something about them. It's so, so cumbersome to believe anything. You see, I, I like what Donald is saying here. I like it because he could be describing me and my thoughts about loving my enemy. But if I truly believe Jesus is God's son, and he teaches this, then I must live differently. To me, a belief must be applied to our lives if it's a true belief. Like, I love my kids, and I, I think it shows in my actions. I believe in and love Jesus, and I think people can tell by my actions. I'm supposed to love my enemies, though. And if I really believe that, it should show, too. Now, one way it should show, according to our text so far today, is that we should pray for them. Let's look at another of Jesus' teachings about this. It's right here that if we truly believe it, will also move us to actually loving our enemy and doing something to show it. In Luke 6.27, he says, Do good to those who hate you. What does that really look like? Do good to those who hate you? Well, first of all, stop dreaming about punching them in the head, right? No punches to the head. Maybe you stop gossiping about them, and maybe you choose to say something positive instead. Maybe you could share a real compliment. There's got to be something you could compliment them, compliment them about. Maybe you could help them with a project at your work. It's a coworker, and you don't really like them, but you could help them or, or at school. Maybe you could choose to shovel for a neighbor you don't even like. And you've got time. 
There's time before the snow falls. You can start praying about it right now. You've got months, hopefully, to prepare to actually go out and live what Jesus is teaching. You can bring donuts to work or give someone an anonymous or a random card or gift. You can do good to those who are not good to you. Now, the final activity that Jesus teaches we should do for our enemies is this. It's to turn the other cheek. And again... That reminds me of Rocky movie. This one is Rocky 3. Rocky 3 is pretty good, way better than 4, but not as good as 1 and 2. So I have a 20-second Rocky clip for you. Take a look at this. Okay. Ain't so bad, right? Well... When Jesus says, turn the other cheek, he's not suggesting that we should just say, ain't so bad, and keep letting someone hurt us. That's not what he's saying. It's okay to protect yourself by staying away. right? Like if you know someone's hurting you, it's okay that you can forgive them and you can want good for them, but to protect yourself, sometimes there's just people you need to stay away from, and that's fine. That's smart. Jesus doesn't want you to continue to be hurt. That's not what turn the other cheek means. Realistically, turning the other cheek, what he's saying is, don't retaliate. Right? I think of it this way in my life. Sometimes when someone has done something to me, I think, just don't sin. Those are my, I say them to myself, sometimes out loud. Just don't sin. I might have a good reason to sin. All right? Like, oh, I want to get them. But I just say to myself, just don't sin. Just don't do it. That stops the retaliation, and that's a form of turning the other cheek. You protect yourself, but you don't hurt them back. Then, Jesus kind of wraps up this whole tough portion of Scripture with these closing comments. And these are extremely chunky. Listen, it's Luke chapter 6, um, verses 32 and 33. He says, Do you think you deserve credit for merely loving those who love you? Even the sinners do that. And if you do good to only those who do good to you, is that so wonderful? Even sinners do that much. Jesus is making a strong point there. It's challenging, isn't it? It kind of reminds me of this old Shania Twain song, That Don't Impress Me Much. Jesus isn't impressed with you when you're only treating people well who are nice to you. It doesn't impress him. Now, I doubt in my life that I can really impress Jesus, but I do want Jesus to be pleased with me. And I don't want my first meeting with Jesus face to face to be awkward, right? Like, have you ever, do you ever have awkward, like, first meetings with people ever? It, it can be really awkward. A lot of times when I'm traveling and meeting people, I'll say, like, I'm from Wisconsin. And then invariably someone says something like, oh, I drove through Wisconsin once and it's so awkward. I never know what to say. Like, what am I supposed to say? Yeah, I remember you. You're a really good driver. Or, or like, how'd you stay between the lines, right? It's just so awkward. What do you say to that? I don't want my first meeting with Jesus or your first meeting with Jesus to be awkward. Hoping he's pleased or impressed and then surprised he tells you he's not. I treated people well, Jesus. That'd be awkward if he says, well, yeah, no kidding. They were good to you. I'm not impressed. So this week's challenge is this. Love your enemies as Jesus directs you to. Number one, pray for them. Number two, do good to them. And number three, turn the other cheek. And there's good news from Jesus to close today for anyone who chooses to listen and takes on that challenge from him. Because this challenge I just gave you is really a challenge from Jesus, right? Straight out of Scripture. But then this, listen to this. Listen to this. This is his promise. 
He says, love your enemies, do good to them. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. That's a spectacular opportunity. For us to be acting as children of God, despite being flawed in all the mistakes we make, simply by loving our enemies, for God to look down and say, you're acting as my children, it's a beautiful opportunity for all of us. So I'm going to pray as I close, and I'm going to ask God to help me do these challenges and help you as well if you want to pray along with me. So if you're ready, if this is a prayer you'd like to say with me, you just bow your head, and I'll say the words for all of us. Dear Lord, once again, thank you for your clear teaching straight from the Bible. Thank you, God, that it's so clear we really can't screw it up. So God, as you tell us that we should pray for our enemies and do good to our enemies and turn the other cheek, God, we admit that's really hard to do. So we ask for your help. We want to follow your son faithfully. So please help us do that faithfully. We say this in his name. Amen. 2 Corinthians 9.6 says that God loves a cheerful giver. It goes on to say that when you are generous with others, he will be generous with you. When we look at all that God has given us like it's, like it's a gift, it, it changes the way we see what we have. It can actually then be a joy to give it back to him because we're grateful for what he's given to us. You also need to know that when you're generous with your finances here at RCC, you're not only honoring God, but you're also helping to support the mission and ministries of RCC. The easiest way for you to give would be to simply visit rccsunday.com. From, from there, you can set up a reoccurring gift. It can be weekly or monthly. It can be through your bank account or a debit card or a credit card. Also, feel free to drop off a check at our downtown location at 155 State Street. There's a mail slot in the front entrance and you can drop it off right there. Keep up the awesome work and remember to be the church this week.